Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. On a mountain, in a valley, I behold only God. In hardship, I see him by my side. In ease and well-being, I behold only God. Like a candle, I melted amidst the sparks of the flames. I behold only God. Rabia the Mystic, welcome to You Are Okay with Blog Talk Radio. This is Mara. And um, good morning. This is Bob. How are you today? I am well. I am well, and I hope all of our listeners are too. Thank you all for joining us. We recognize that the number who may be listening at 9 o'clock on Sunday morning is low, but we seem to be consistently having some listeners every week. And I can remember when we would have two or three, so to be talking about a number of 50 or more is kind of exciting. (laughs) Yeah, I see a lot. I think a lot of people take the or go and download things to put in their car to drive to work and listen to podcasts in the car. I think that's what we do for for our our road entertainment or our uh, maybe maybe for some people it's uh, it's a road rage uh, (laughs) deterrent. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And and not get so engrossed in the crazy traffic that I that having traveled all over the place for so long that it's one thing that that you have, they have everywhere, right? There seems to always be traffic. It may not be the same scale and some, everyone complains about traffic. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And where I live, there's traffic and then there's pedestrians and there must be signs in, in some sort of tourist or maybe even local language that are that is on the edge of the sidewalks and says you can walk across anytime you want every car will stop now that is the law in the state of california if if a pedestrian puts their foot on the road then you need to stop but it's a little bit interesting here so uh we have traffic jams and then i have pedestrian jams (laughs) (laughs) yeah i I tend to always believe that everybody will stop if i cross the street Well, uh, it is it is a heartfelt belief here, and proof's true. People do stop. I, the other day, I was standing on the corner, uh, and the next thing I know, you know, people were stopping for me, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I didn't even try, you know. So it's wonderful. It, uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. Sometimes how we get sometimes how we get into the question that we're talking about today is what would love do now? What what would we do as we somehow we can meld this right in with traffic is. A lot of times we get in some very unloving uh, situations when we're driving, and and I, I have to say that I'm probably on the bad side of that, and that <laughs> I tend to run my mouth and holler and scream as I drive. <laughs> and it's probably not not the most loving thing to do. <laughs> and you know what I try to do. I think that everybody does probably does whatever it is that that helps them deal with stress and chaos, which is really what our topic is a bit about today. I, uh, for me, when I uh, am in a traffic jam, in order to keep my peace of mind, and I know you're going to call me weird, but um, I will try to send prayers to the to the cars around me. And so it's like uh, I'll send a prayer, you know, I send a prayer to that couple or, or, gee, that couple looks like they're not too happy right now. And you can see that on people's faces. And I, I think so many times we don't look at faces. There was uh, a wonderful book, and uh, it was called Tally's Corners when I was growing up. Uh, it was in the 60s, and I, I was studying to be a sociologist at that point in time. And in Tally's Corners, it talked about uh, a place in Washington, D.C., but people would go in and out of 
Washington, D.C., and they would not even notice that Tally Corners was there. They would miss it completely. And yet it was pretty abject poverty, at least for that time it was. And um, who knows what it, where it would rate on a scale today. And people didn't notice it. They did not see. And, and one of the things that I think love does is it keeps our eyes open so that we're watching what's around us rather than being so absorbed with our own thoughts that we fail to see the complete sadness in another being. And when I'm driving, so I notice... Or we turn off that energy that, or we, or we can not, not even only looking at someone, but feeling someone's energy too, because we're all just energy, mm-hmm. right? So, exactly. so we, you know, we, we, we tune out, we turn off our ability to feel someone else's energy because we don't, we don't know what to do or what to say or what to think when someone's not exactly like us sometimes. Oh, and that is so well said when someone is not exactly like us, uh, you know, and is not doing it our way. And today's topic is um, hard choices we make in unloving situations. And sometimes the best choice is to allow someone to live his or her own life without our opinions. And how often do we share our opinions without being asked? Uh, and how often are we listening to the person's goals rather than to our ideas about what those goals should be? Um, are our opinions grounded in love and loving words? Or, or who knows? You ask yourself the magic question, what would love do now? Uh, let's talk about it as we grow together in love for one another. And uh, I re- I'm going to try folks in the future i can't guarantee it just because i realize you're podcasting it you're not looking at this on the screen to say what we have thought and decided to talk about because that is is really it and chaos is being in the middle of a traffic jam and uh focusing solely on our own thoughts even though it may not be identical to sharing opinions the reality is that's what we're doing we're sharing opinions and as Bob said, uh, we're reacting to people because they are not exactly the way we want them to be. Uh, And, you know, I had someone ask me a question yesterday that was so leveling and, and so full of judgment. And I care for this person so much that I think I scared her to death. And I didn't mean to because what I did, uh, and I'll share that with all of you, is I kind of rocked her sense of righteousness. And it occurred because... um, All right, Bob, you know, breathe before I say what she said. (laughs) <laughs> I'm gonna. I, I'm going to breathe too. Okay. She really didn't have a problem with gay people. It's just that why do they have to be so all out there? And because the person was Latino, I kind of use that as as my counter example. And and said, you know, if you go down to Los Angeles, there are places where the stores, the music is just echoing everywhere. All you can hear is music, or at least there used to be. I haven't walked down there in a while. And I said, and I would hear the same comment. You know, well, it's okay that that they're they're Latino, which means what, what Bob just said a few moments ago, they're not like me. They don't do things my way. And uh, we had a pretty good talk. She went to the sin, and, and it's been a long time since I've heard the sin idea. For those who don't know what I mean, uh, there are there is a group of people out there that think that and maybe we all know that now with all the media that homosexuality is a sin. Now I, I want to say to you, um, and I don't know why I'm in such a lecturing mode, Bob. Just jump in and shut me up. But in the Bible, <laughs> in the Bible, it talks about bad business practices about. 15 or 20 times more than it talks about laying in the bed with someone else, period. 
So yeah, and we always have to put out a lot of things into historical perspective of what things meant during that time too. Is you know the exactly. who were the people that were living then? What was the history then? What were people like? What were the wars over then? What were what were what was that whole situation about that led someone to write something like that? Um, yes. When it, when it, it and you know did, did it mean that you know man should not lie with man? Does that mean man should not rape another man? You know we don't know what. There's no way for us to know. But you know. There's no the way for us to know. Also says that you should have a bunch of wives and concubines and uh, slaves and a whole lot of other things that we don't do today. <laughs> and exactly, that's where and you should don't. Some people are de-evolving instead of evolving on things and would prefer to go back to a, to a time when they thought would be a lot easier. But I'd like to see a lot of folks that uh, have this yearning for uh, following something that was written not long ago to go and try to live in that same situation in which it was written. <laughs> go well, it's kind of and, uh, Go to the bathroom in the yard. Tell me how long that works for you. Yeah, black and white. That's what it was, black and white, you know, and this black and white thinking. And she said, well, I know we're not supposed to judge. And I said, well, what do you think uh, making a decision that something is a sin is? And her face suddenly got, oh, my gosh. I said, you know, the thing is God doesn't create trash. Everything is created by God. We're all connected. And uh, I, I, I know I shook her. I, I could feel, talk about energy, I could feel her fear. Because uh, when we hugged at the end, because like uh, I, I asked her, you know, uh, I think it's Moses when uh, God told Moses who to tell the people had come. Uh, God told him, uh, although I sometimes think it's Joseph, but anyway, it doesn't matter because I kind of lost connection with that kind of stuff except for a few good passages. But the reality is that God said, tell them the great I am said uh, has come, has sent you. And I said, so tell me what God's name is. <laughs> you know, Jesus Christ, I am. And I says, yeah, it's the last part. That's the scariest part, isn't it? It's just the scariest part. And and I said, the, you know, um, <clears throat> Jesus said the most, the two most important commandments, two, only two of ten, love God with your heart, your mind, and your soul, and love others as you love yourself. And how would you want to be loved if you were not the same as everybody else? If you are a Latino in the midst of an Anglo society, she got that one. If you are, uh, you know, we all have our picadillos, our idiosyncratic things that are part of who God created. I'm a quiet person, I know, hard to believe. But when I'm doing what I feel called to do, I do it. But then I need to have a long period of rejuvenation, of silence. Some people would call me a recluse at times. You know who I am, Bob. And, yep. <laughs> and I've recently learned that some people think that I'm, I'm haughty, condescending, and stuck up because I'm not good at small talk. Um, you know, life is serious to me, so to speak. And we're all different. Each and every one of us is different. And um, when we can embrace our likeness and respect our differences, that makes a difference. And it was a very interesting conversation because she, I felt that I was heard, uh, but I was talking a lot uh, because she kept saying, oh, I hadn't thought about it like that. And I said, you know, it isn't love of it as you would love yourself and then justify not doing that, which so many people do, by saying I wouldn't engage in that conduct. Hello? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, it it just was a very interesting conversation. So when we're talking about what love would do now, sometimes I think that love, because I really do love this person I was talking to, 
And I really do respect her right to have a very fundamentalistic Christian religion. So when she was telling me about having seen people uh, absorbed with the devil and her minister laying his hands on them and them being free of that, I said, and that's what love would do. That's what we would want to do. If I were uh, consumed with the devil, and folks, I don't think Bob and I are telling you there is not evil in this world. If I were consumed with evil, I would want someone to love me enough to put their hands on me and rescue me. So uh, it was just a very interesting conversation. And when I was looking at this program today, I thought, oh, my gosh. But I have to say, Bob, I couldn't have sat quiet during this dialogue. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And not, and it, yeah, you couldn't you couldn't have sat silent during that dialogue, and if you had, you would have uh, had that dialogue of how it should have been in your head for for the next few days. Absolutely, <laughs> so, absolutely. So I think you know that's what that's what when we do have you know it's is listening to that other person and getting an understanding about where they're at and what and how you can be constructive with with yourself and included and others when yes. you have a conversation yes. and, and, and try to understand the things that, uh, look at the, try to look at the whole picture as much as you can in a short time before powering yes. judgment on, on someone that, that that's homeless or someone that doesn't, uh, doesn't look like you, smell like you, eat like you, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We had some friends here yesterday, and we were talking about how we were actually talking about how some people in different every community there's different there's different makeup within different communities as well. Whether that be in a Latino community, in a white community, in a black community, an Asian community, and gay community, there's they're they're not all the same. (laughs) Hello. There are, you know, I think the comment that you made is why do the gays have to be so, you know, outspoken or show off or whatever what the comment was. And we were actually talking about that last night. But, you know, you have a lot of people that have, um, for some reason, they feel that they have to go over the top. Mm-hmm. And, that, and those are the people that get hurt, and that's the people that we tend to... Um, that we tend to think of when when that culture is brought up. So you don't, we don't take into consideration other people that are not like that, the people that we think of. There's so much more to make up um, the Latino community or any other community. And yet, Bob, you know, um, I, I'm a woman, and I'm I'm really proud of the fact that I'm a woman. And so I do the whole thing. I may not always wear makeup, especially not when I'm visiting friends and stuff. But, I mean, I get up in the morning. I, you know, I do the hair. I, I Maybe not too much the hair. I'm not much of a hair person because I don't know what to do with it. So they've cut it so that it does whatever it needs to do when I throw it with the blow dryer. But, you know, I put the makeup on the eye makeup. I put on jewelry. I attend to my clothing. I probably spend more money on clothing than I should. It's probably a sin. And, oh, there you go. I'm judging myself, though. And I, um, you know, and I'm proud to be a female. I am proud to be a female lawyer. I want to look, you know, accomplished. I want to represent the school I went to. I went to an Ivy League school. I mean, I want those things to be heard in my words. You know how I talk. I talk probably too big of words. Big words, folks, got me out of poverty. I'll be frank with you. Big words got my teachers when I was a little kid to start paying attention to me. Now, where in the world, where in the hell did those big words come from in my home? You know, 16-year-old mother, um, 22-year-old dad, uh, you know, 
she was 17 when I was born, ain't, we, you know, probably when I was a little kid, I talked with a hillbilly accent from West Virginia, and uh, yet big words got me out of where I was, which was not a good place for me. And um, so I talk big words. I can't help it. It's who I am. But it doesn't mean that I think I'm better than anyone else. But bottom line, when I put myself together in the morning and I walk out that door, at the very least, they're going to know there goes a female professional. Now, they may not know that the rest of the time I live in my pajamas in my house, but but you know what? I'm proud of who I am, <laughs> you know, and I'm proud of everyone else. And so I, I have a sense of pride if someone wants to stand out for who they are. And, and that's part of the discussion yesterday because that's interesting you said that. That was part of the discussion. And, and the reality is, isn't it about me? I know that that sounds very conceited, but isn't it about how I act? Absolutely. It, it, do I, even, going, yeah. even going back to the to the you know getting to quote unquote getting yourself together in the morning before you go to work. I remember when I worked in an office environment. It was and in a lot of office environments today. You just wear whatever you want, and pretty much anything goes, unless it's pretty much anything goes. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I've always wore a nice shirt and slacks and dress shoes. And, and I wouldn't say I dressed up because I didn't put on a jacket or a tie. But compared to someone in shorts and a T-shirt, I was pretty dressed yeah. up. And there were, yes. and there were a few women that, that, that took the time in the morning to get ready and dress up and didn't throw their hair in a ponytail with no makeup and throw on sweatpants. Um, yes. And and we kind of all tended to be the ones that hung around together, actually. And, and interestingly, <laughs> I guess maybe because we we were the same in that way. But and, but people would always ask us, "Well, why do you dress up? This is how we feel like we should go to work." Mm-hmm. Well, you you don't have yeah. to wear. You can wear jeans on Friday, and I said, "I don't. I'm not comfortable. I'm comfortable to wear jeans out to a club or out to dinner, mm-hmm. but not not to work." <laughs> Mm-hmm. And you know yeah. maybe that's just the way that, it, and it and it isn't because I was brought up that people in in my family people that went to work went to work in a uniform because they were uh, nurses and and police officers mm-hmm. and people that worked in machine shops where you wear a a uniform to work every day. So I never felt like it was my uniform. It just felt like I'm more comfortable if I have on a nice shirt and nice pants. I'm going to do a better job. I feel. Yeah. Or I felt yeah. And now, now I work from home. I, I absolutely don't get dressed up. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, and and I understand. I mean, you know, I, I truly do understand. And I, I get kind of paralyzed. I, oh God, what a big admission, but I get paralyzed at the thought of going to social settings. And so if, if somebody tells me I have to go into court, I am fine. I'm thinking about what I'm going to say because there's the protection of the speech. There's the protection of the law. There's the protection of experience. But like yesterday, we had um, the animal shelter was opening. And I am so proud of the people who put that together. And I'm so respectful of them. And I've communicated to that to each one of them individually. So when I went out to get my nails done, oh, God, I'm busy on the air that I didn't go because I got my nails done. But when I went to get my nails done, my expectation was (laughs) that I was going to go at the end of that and I would be there just for a few minutes. And so, you know, I put on clothing so that I could go to that event. But by the time my nails were starting to get done. My heart was getting so afraid at the social setting of having to engage in small talk, go around talking to people. Literally, I was going patter, patter, patter. That I, And I confessed that to the person who was doing my nails, who I know very well. I just love her like she's my child. And she said, don't go. It's okay to not go. You know, it's it's really not your job to have to go. And if it makes you feel uncomfortable, don't go. And I've been personally evaluating that now for the last several months because I'm really aware of it um, because I am so reclusive. And I realize I've been this way my whole life. 
My mom had to push me out of the door to go to birthday parties. It's not that I don't like people. Even at the party that you guys had, uh, you know, I enjoy uh, talking with individual people, but I get nervous. You know, I just get nervous and, and incapacitated, but that's who I am. And that doesn't mean that I'm condescending or rude or stuck up or think that my caca doesn't smell, you know? It's not that at all. Maybe it means that I don't think I'm worthwhile and no one wants to be around me. Whatever it means, it's part of who I am. And I'm I'm tired of the self-analysis of it. I'm just going to accept myself. But the bottom line is, folks, you have to love yourself and then you have to love others the way you love yourself. And I respect shy people who don't want to go places and I respect boisterous, excited, aggressive people who are friendly and who just love it. It takes me a couple years to get to know you, but once I get to know you, I'm I'm normally comfortable enough to talk to you. <laughs> you know? I guess that was a confession, Bob. Should we delete this program and start over? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I actually I think it goes very well with this because you gave a perfect example of that when when you are in a situation, what what would love do? What would you do that differently if you were to stop thinking of only yourself and think about what what's going on with that other person that that maybe not even what's going on with that person but why is that person energy different than yours is that makes them a shy person over a boisterous person um you know why why would i I shouldn't judge that about you, and you shouldn't judge that just as you don't judge a boisterous person. And no, not at all. And all be boisterous because nobody would ever get anything hurt. I mean, we've all been in those situations. You need some shy people, so somebody's doing the listening. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, what's interesting is that once I get to know people, I'm probably the last thing you would think of as shy. Uh, I, you know, um, it's kind of a dynamic, but to me, that's, that's the difference there any more than, uh, so everyone comes into a situation with who they are, who God created them to be. And each one of us is in that situation with the opportunity to accept them for who they are. My mom used to say, Margaret, let it be. And that makes sense to me now. Let it be. And, you know, so each person brings their own dynamic to the situation. And, um, you know, for the most part... You can't change change someone. You're not going to make the boisterous person shy. You're not going to make the shy person boisterous. You're not going to make anyone something that they're not. Exactly. Exactly. Even even times that we see that you know there are people that you know that we that from our own perception we think they need to be doing something differently, and we offer that advice. We need to also do that in a loving way, and 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 seek to understand why maybe they're in the situation they're in, or why they do things that we don't necessarily agree with. And and you know, often our question is, it any of our damn business whether we agree with it or not? Good question. Yeah. It's theirs to deal with. I don't have to deal with someone who has made bad decisions in their life and sure want to help everybody that I can and and do what I can to lead someone to a resource that might help them. But sometimes you're there, you're in that situation uh, to learn something from it or, and it may not be now, it may be, you know, years later that that person is talking to someone else who is in that situation and they have that aha moment, as they say, and realize that, wow, I went through that so that I was able to help someone else later on. So so who am I to judge someone who's in a a bad situation that that they're not going to be there to help someone else later? Yes, yes. And so, I mean, it becomes a question of, uh, you know, 
realizing, I, and I love what you just said, Bob, realizing that life is a series of lessons leading us on our journey through this this existence. And those lessons teach us skills and give us knowledge to um, help in situations as we move forward. Example that comes to mind. Ladies, if you're crying in the restroom, I will hug you. Even though I'm shy, I don't know you, I know tears. And so I will reach past my self-restraint and reach out to you because if I were crying in the restroom, I would need a hug. That's something I learned through life. And yet, how many times, if we're in that situation, Bob, I don't know if men cry in restrooms, but I can tell you women do. And how many times do uh, I see everybody... I talk on my cell phone. <laughs> yeah, okay, all right, there you go. <laughs> Makes me so easy. The restroom clears like it's been a flood in there. No pun intended. I mean, seriously, yeah. it's as though... Something has pushed everyone out the door, even before, even if they were standing in line to do their business. And and so here you have this person in there, sometimes alone, sometimes with a friend. And and the instinct, for whatever reason, is exit, stage left, show love. Somehow, through life experience, I've noticed that. And I'm not saying to you folks that I'm all that and I always do everything right and I'm always loving. Don't for a minute. I know the F word just like everyone else. And there are times when I am very strong in my belief. <laughs> I'm not saying that. I'm just pulling on life experiences. But I am saying to you, as I've reached this age of 66, Bob's just a baby. He's only like 45. He's going to have a birthday soon, though. Um, But as I've reached this age of uh, 66, I will say to you that I am um, less likely to react in an aggressive way, Uh, less likely to say something because I now have recognized, am recognizing on a daily basis, the full panoply of things that can be said or done that hurt other people. And I made a commitment to myself many years ago, I wasn't going to be a harmer. And I'm starting to remember what harms. So as we we go through life, uh, we mature. And so don't judge yourself for anything that has occurred where you haven't held on to your peace, where you haven't been everything you want to be, where you walk away evaluating yourself and saying, oh, I should have done this differently. The French call that esprit d'escalier, the spirit. That's part of growing and maturing and, and learning who you are and who you want to be. And whenever you find yourself in a situation where you've stepped off and you're not the person you want to be in that situation, know that you can always step right back on. Ask God, what lesson is there in this for me? And move forward trying and working to be the person you want to be. It's cyclical. And so we all go through it. I'm... Very well said. I like that uh, the concept of not being a harmer. I think is is is, a, is an interesting one because then if you're if you're making that your intention, then of course you're going to start to listen to others and and not draw conclusions and opinions without making uh, an effort to to understand more to to. to to get to that goal of being non-harmful person. And I think we too many times just don't even realize that what harm we cause with words that we say by by not being impeccable with our word, right? Um, yeah, there you go. The, the, either because we're too busy or we didn't take the time or they were too different from us for, for us to possibly try to even under, to even want to take the effort to understand, I think is, 
a lot of the cases we don't we don't want to take the effort to understand or to ask questions or we're afraid, a lot of it comes down to fear always too is we have we might be afraid of why that person is there because it could be something that happens to us yeah yeah that's right and there's always the fear that there's not enough and 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 that that's kind of an interesting thing there's not enough love there's not enough money there's not enough of the other person um and all of those things then can influence uh how uh, each and every one of us act in a particular situation it, yeah, it really can. Even further is uh, that you know there's going to be a lack of energy. There's going to be a lack of water, and you start adding up all of these things that we fear yeah. that we that we don't have. Um, and instead of finding solutions to it, real solutions that can be implemented to take care of those things, we we tend to think that oh that could, that's not going to happen. If we can push it under the yeah. rug, it would be easier. Or we have to protect some interests that are. We have to protect things that are already here now, established to not move forward technologically. To, yeah. to alleviate, yeah. ability. We we have the fear of not only taking. I think society not only fears then what that new technology or new what how things will evolve will look and be like, but they're also afraid to get rid of already established things within culture yeah. and society at the same time, and those two things together mean we don't move forward as fast as we could if we only allowed that those energies to move forward instead of stagnating. Yes, yes. We live on guard. Yes. You know, fearful of being hurt. Somehow, you know, and uh, it is yeah, rejection, uh, is a, rejection is one of those one of those things that comes out of fear and 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 causes fear and and, and uh, unfortunately we we far more reject than we accept. <laughs> yes, 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 and and uh, and that is. Um, in rejecting, we many times do not recognize that um, we are rejecting human components of things. Um, and certainly there are things we should reject, anything that is harmful to other people. But what happens is that even that word itself is a judgmental word because what is harmful? You know, uh, to some uh, being in a pure world where there is no one around them that is not like them uh, is is harm-free. But the minute someone different comes in, then that's harmful. And that's kind of at the core of the human experience. Um, you can see this back in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, back in Ohio, where I was growing up as a little kid. Uh, you have the Amish. Uh, the Mennonites are, are a little less rigid than the Amish, but you have the Amish faith riding uh, in carriages. Um, you know, back when I was growing up, you know, not uh, it, having experience with ooters without the outside world, um, not wanting your children to talk to them, not wanting their thinking to be contaminated, and and they certainly some, didn't think about having vanilla ice come in and help them build houses back then. I know, I know. <laughs> it's it's amazing, uh, or have this out of Amish thing, you know, and right. and you know, it's also um, dynamic because you know I'm going to use something that may shock people, but to me, um, I was just like I think 30 years old when I started hearing Pink Floyd, maybe it was a little before, but us, 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 and them, 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 we are all just ordinary men. You know, it's it's that recognition that we all, you know, and, and that song is interesting because it talks about war and, and you know, um, but we're fighting over stuff and not recognizing the similarity 
between ourselves. Frankly, the one thing that I've noticed, because the other thing was I was told yesterday that our Constitution was grounded in the Bible. And I said, oh, that's interesting. Um, because that means it's <laughs> grounded in, in today's, the Jewish Christian doctrine. And I said, but I think it's grounded in the Magna Carta. And I said, but putting that aside, um, Hamilton, uh, well, actually, I didn't say Hamilton, Jefferson and Washington were deists. They were theists. They believed in one God. That That's what they did. They did not believe in a name for that God. They weren't Christians, but they did believe in one God. And when you look at the standard bearer for all the fight and judgment and and whether yihad or whatever you want to call it, the reality is at the core of each of those faiths is a belief in one God. We all believe in the same God. It's just that, that he wears masks different faces, depending upon, you know, how the religion uh, identifies it. And we believe that this God is loving, but then the deal comes up. Well, God, uh, you know, only likes this behavior. In other words, there's not even enough of God, folks. There's not enough of God to think that God can love us all equally. It's what it turns on. There's not this God that we all know exists. There's not enough of him. Oh, not true. Not true. 96% of our planet is dark matter that no one understands, but yet needs to be there for us to be alive. So, Yes. So I think, Absolutely. Uh, so putting it in scientific terms, there's enough there. Percentage-wise, do the math. Pretty easy, 96 to 4. <laughs> Absolutely. The, um, the, you know, what, what, what I, I don't know why, but I just had this flashback to being in kindergarten, and I remember um, first time being around someone that wasn't, and then I went to Catholic school, so everybody there, was, you know, we were pretty much white uh Catholic neighborhood in the school and there was a a, a girl from, I think she was from Indonesia. I, I don't know why I'm saying that because it was so long ago I've probably had that wrong. But cause she wasn't white. And I remember them talking, I remember something about the talking about um, missionaries and vocations and you know, you need to go and save these people and you know, teach them um, become good Catholics, blah, 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 right? And I remember thinking and asking the question, I probably ended up in the principal's office because I somehow in kindergarten I just asked too many questions. Um, <laughs> Why is that crazy? <laughs> and, and, and I said, and I asked the question, but how could somebody go to hell if they were in a place where nobody ever went to and told them about being a Catholic? Because people told me about it. I didn't just, I wasn't born one. I was smart enough to know that I wasn't born a Catholic and that there were other people, other religions around because, because on one side of our family they weren't, weren't they were um, different denominations. So I knew mm-hmm. that something else existed, but we always felt like they were not going to go to the same heaven as we did. Maybe they would, maybe they wouldn't. I never could figure that out. And yes. just asking that question, how could how could someone that never got there, that, that a Catholic never got to, to convert them from their hedonistic ways, be go to hell? That doesn't seem that just seems mean. So, Good and question. of course, they turned that around into saying that that's why we needed more people to, to you know, to go out there and spread the word. And that I should uh, take that, you know, that I should take go and run with that. <laughs> well, the reality you know, is, never really answer to that question. It was just, uh, yeah. well, that's why we need more of you soldiers out there. But Romans, uh, you know, Paul answered that question, 
and attributed the answer to Jesus in Romans 2.12, chapter 13. See what, what I said about how things build on? When I was 18 years old, my I had to do a study in depth from something from the Old Testament, which is Job, and you all hear me talk about Job periodically, our jobs. And the... Uh, and I also had to do one from the New Testament, and that was Romans 2.12, chapter 13. My understanding is that the ones that are called Romans, Corinthians, so on, are letters from Paul to the people or Peter to the people. And what he said in that chapter was, those who have the law will be judged by the law. And those who do not have the law will be judged by what laws they have. Pretty egalitarian, huh? There was enough of that, God. Yep. <laughs> you don't know him, don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I there's, mean, there's a great lesson in that. But don't, you know, yeah. we all say, oh, you know, the Baptists are, you know, think this, and therefore they're not as, as, uh, as much as uh, Catholic or Episcopalian or what have you. Yes, yes. Have you, you know, grown up I, the rest uh, of my life in a fundamentalist home besides being being raised Catholic yeah. for the first five years of grade school and then moving into a, an environment of fundamentalist uh, exorcist type uh, <laughs> situation that, you know... Yeah. It, it always yeah. makes me questioning. Okay, there's there's no way that anybody, uh, there's no there's no right there's no one right. Yes, yes, there is no one right, and um, having seen some of those fundamental exorcism type things, uh, it was so scary that it made me distrust my instincts and and be fearful of God, and. You know, and that was an amazing experience to go through, too, to learn to not be fearful. I was fearful for so long that I would not allow my intellect to question. I I instead was completely brainwashed into thinking that there was not enough God, and therefore I needed to behave in a particular way so that there would be room for me. And um, very interesting. interesting that you say that because that would it would almost be uh, you know they instilled that fear in you that you need to be good so that you could pass so there'd be enough of God to pass around to the people who really needed them so you shouldn't take your time up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting for me. Um, there was never a question in our family about there being a God because my grandpa was a holy man who could heal people. And I know some of you may lift your eyebrow askance, but he really could. And so we could see that, but we also knew that that was not him as a being, that that was God working through him. So, And the people believing that God could do that. It's When Jesus was walking down that, we were taught early, that when Jesus was walking down that road and the person reached out, I think it was a female, and touched his robe and was healed, it wasn't because Jesus did it, it was because she believed God would do it if she did that. And so that was what I learned early on. And so always, there was never... Faith can move mountains. Faith can move mountains, exactly. And so, you know, we always believed that, uh, you know, I never for a moment have not had an intimate relationship and believe that God exists. And I feel sorry for people who have to believe that based on faith. Uh, for some reason, it, it is to know and to have concrete proof to know for your entire life uh, has to be uh, a very solid foundation block for me. I recognize that. So, Bob, I'm looking at the clock, and we have about 11 minutes here. I'm going to make a suggestion that 
um, if I may get us set up for a meditation and then if you would take us through a meditation. So I will uh, kind of get the circle started and get get us all in, in uh, connected together. And then if you would be so kind as to uh, talk uh, and lead us through a meditation on love, I would appreciate it. So... Um, we can put some music on here and looking at what might work. We obviously want to be able to end. How about heaven and earth spirits? Let's see if we can get that soft enough. I hope. So if, if everyone who's listening now or in the future could just sit down and for a moment, I'd like you to begin breathing in and I encourage people to breathe as though their nose is in the soles of their feet because in doing that, it it ignites a long breath. And I realize there's a lot of people out there who encourage when you're breathing in that you, you kind of get your breath to a place where you feel like you're holding it and you're focused on the breath. And that's because you feel like you're starving for breath. What I would like you instead is to adopt a singer's stance and sip in breath. Just sip it in. So let's sip a breath together. And as we do so, say, we are loved. And I would like you to pull your breath up the front of your calves, up your thighs, crossing over your buttocks. And now you are at your base chakra, the place where you keep your fear. And we're going to release that fear to the earth from whence it came. And knowing we are loved, we are going to take a fearless breath up to our sacral chakra the zone of creativity. And you are going to recognize if you ponder and stay there for a moment with your fearless breath that you are a viable, valuable, creative influence in the world. There is something that you can do that may change the world totally. So now pulling your fearless, creative breath up, you're going to come to the zone of healing. Pause for a moment there and breathe in and know that you are loved and that you are well and that you can heal yourself. Pulling your fearless, creative healing breath up, come to your heart, the zone of love, and ignite out a pillar of love. Allow a light to come out of you that is within all of us, the light of love. And I'd like you to reach out at this point with your dominant hand and take the hand of God as you know God to be. And know that God is there with you always because you are loved by God. There is enough God. There's enough of God to go around. And within you, there's enough love to go around to everyone Pulling your fearless, creative, healing, loving breath up, you'll come to your throat chakra. More happens in the zone of the throat with words than just about anything else. Our words are some of our most acute weapons. And I would like you to remember that in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. And the word was God. And so as you move through your throat chakra with your fear created, healing, loving, forgiving words, invite yourself to use God, your words, in a way that is showing love. Pull your breath now up to the third eye the zone of manifestation and manifest yourself there all day long all day long a loving creature and when you are not manifest yourself as remembering where you left your love your peace manifest yourself as reaching out and taking again a God and moving forward and now let us pull our fearless creative loving, healing, loving, forgiving, manifesting breath up to your crown chakra and imagine your breath opening 
the top of your head and begin moving through a hyper-giving of love, combining and joining with the breath of God. And as you breathe out, breathe out, I am enough. And take the hand of the person who is in the group beside you now or in the future concept of God. Feel yourself as you're breathing here in this circle, surrounded by God, embraced by God, and know that there is enough, and you are enough. You are enough. Pull in another breath without my words. I am love. Breathe out. There is enough. Breathe in. I am love. Breathe out. There is enough. Bob. Love, love, and exhale fear, fear, fear. Allow yourself to breathe in love and exhale all the fear that keeps you from loving yourself, from loving others. Let all of those fears go. Let the judgments go and breathe in love. Love, love, let love cool through your whole body until you feel a coolness and feel as if someone else is there with you in their energy and your energy are binding together and creating a bright light around you. And as you push through the breath and exhale, see that energy and watch all of the fear, judgment, release from you and bring in love 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 I am love breathe slowly and with intention of love love peace peace Love, friendship, and forgiveness. Breathe in forgiveness. And exhale fear and hate. Breathe in forgiveness. Think of those that you need to forgive, but forgive yourself. And as you bring in those, breath, gentle breaths of forgiveness gentle breath of love, exhaling, and now we're going to exhale love, we've gotten rid of the fear, we've gotten rid of the judgment, we're going to breathe in love, and we're going to exhale love, and we're going to feel love around us, we're going to know that the love is here with us now, we're feeling the energy of one another as we Breathe together. Long, deep breaths in. Dipping those breaths in. Pushing those breaths out. And thinking love, peace, joy, happiness, forgiveness, and love, love, love. finish, we'll just sit quietly for a couple moments and breathe in love and exhale love together. Love. Love. I am love. I am loved. I love. I am loved. I am loved. I am loved. 
I love. Amen. That was beautiful, Bob. Thank you. Thank you. I'm thinking, Bob. Namaste. Namaste. I'm thinking for next week we should talk about there is enough God. What do you think? Let's do it. All right. We'll do it. Uh, Until next week, uh, we send you our warmest feelings. We remind you that God is always in the room with you. Uh, Namaste. Namaste. Have a great week. I can do a time. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.